Um, thank you for joining us this year. We'll be back next year. Uh, probably take a couple months off. 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 A plague on both your houses! I guess I should start by apologizing to the five listeners that we have <laughs> and that uh, I am a liar, apparently. I'm a big fat liar. We didn't record any new podcast this year whatsoever until today, early April. Quarter, we're in quarter two of the year. Um, mm. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for lying. I'm sorry for not being here. I'm sorry for... Just, uh, just being a busy Hollywood, big Hollywood, big shot now. So I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think that was really good um, because it sounded sincere, and um, you, you were very humble in it, and uh, you really addressed the core issue, which are all things that are important in an apology. You definitely covered your bases with that. So this has been a real learning experience, and it's a teachable moment. <laughs> And a Montague? Uh, neither fair made a feed that he disliked. How came still hither? Tell me, and wherefore? The garden walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art. With love's light wings did I approach these walls. For stony limits cannot hold love out in what love can do. That there's love attempt. Therefore, thy kinsmen are no stop to me. Yeah, I'm really sorry. I, I got sucked into a job that took me across the country for... Three, three-ish months, and I did not have a single day to podcast. Here's the thing, though. Never apologize for making those stacks, you know? <laughs> like, I you, mean, I definitely, yeah. You could apologize for being an irresponsible person, and maybe there's some of that in there as well. But sure. never apologize for being a big important person on a very exciting movie set. It was very exciting. And I, uh, I can't share my stories for another like year, which is a bummer, but, uh, it was super fun. I was working on a Marvel movie and I've been sworn to secrecy, but I'm back now. We're back. Hopefully, unless you get sucked up by the Harry Potter world and <laughs> shipping off to London or something like that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if you want to manifest we'll that schedule. into my life, I'll I'll receive it. But no, yeah, that's... I know some people now. You oh. know, I mm, okay. I'll, I'll I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. <laughs> uh, well, thank you everyone for waiting so patiently for the world to sort of reset and get back to normal. I hope you guys are doing well. I am Brian Flynn. With me, as always, is Kenneth Trent, and this is rebooted the podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so hollywood doesn't have to do it this week we are taking a look at baz lerman's classic romeo plus juliet some a plus graphic design there starring leo dicaprio claire danes john leguizamo harold perino and pete postlewaith um i watched this movie two months ago when we were supposed to record mm -hmm. it um, mm -hmm. and I remember it as vividly as it was yesterday. This movie is bananas. It is the most nineties movie I think I've seen in a long time. I also, um, watched this, uh, what feels like a very long time ago. <laughs> so, um, I think I remember some of it. Um, 
it feels like I dreamt it. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. Ken and I were going to take this movie and recast it as if it was to be remade today. Uh, taking, I think we're going to take five characters from it and talk about it. Uh, who would be playing these parts in 2021? Um, but before that, we got some news to go through. Why don't we? Why don't we get to it here? I got something on my little tablet here. Skydance Media to reimagine the Spy Kids franchise with Spyglass Media and series creator Robert Rodriguez. Skydance Media is looking to relaunch a classic family franchise as sources deadline. It has optioned the rights as sources tell deadline. It has optioned the rights to reimagine the successful Spy Kids franchise alongside Spyglass Media Group and creator Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez will return to write and direct the next film, which will revolve around the activities of the multicultural family. Didn't I... Um, so, okay, I'm not familiar with Spy Kids. There were three Spy Kid movies. Mm-hmm. And then wasn't there a recent movie that went to Netflix, like We Can Be Heroes? Wasn't that a Spy Kids movie? Oh, I don't know. That's a good or question. Or did I just make that up? I'm confusing Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, that was a different franchise. Yeah, totally different. With Spy Kids. All right. Well, they're back. Spy Kids are back. There's nothing really <laughs> here about what this project is going to be. So what do we think? I mean... I mean, Spy Kids is um, so much fun. Like, the it's about kids who are spies because their parents are spies. <laughs> spy Kids. Um, but it was also cool because it's like Antonio Banderas plays their dad. Like, I will obviously like Robert Rodriguez made Selma this movie. Hayek, the mom. Um, no, the mom right. was uh, Carla Gugino. An emergency assignment has come up in the Far East. I need you on it right away. Oh, sorry, Devlin. We uh, we haven't talked about this as a family yet. So whether we come out of retirement or or not, that's a decision that is up to us. And. Our kids. Uh, Gregorio, Ingrid, I wasn't talking to you. Me? No, this assignment is for Carmen and Junie. They're the ones we need. They're the two most amazing field agents that this organization's ever seen. So what do you say, kids? Are you up for it? Devlin, if you want the Cortezes, you take all the Cortezes. Even mom and dad. Yeah, I feel like this was one of those movies that, like, as a kid, it's it is not this like major IP. I feel like really, but it should be because it's so much fun and it's a completely original world. There's just lots to play with. It's just interesting that Robert Rodriguez would be, as the creator, would be the first person to be like, "Yeah, let's play around in this world again," um, instead of the studio who is probably very interested in reboots, finding this and being like, hey, let's try this again. I'm just now reading that there is a Spy Kids 4D called All the Time in the World, starring Jessica Alba and Joel McHale. Huh. As the parents? But then the Cortez kids are still in it. So I don't... Mm. Uh, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was very Home Alone 3. Very completely detached from the original. I mean, I have no, I have, I have nothing to say about Spy Kids. I, I I was too old for it when it came out. I don't think I've seen a single Spy Kid movie. You're never too old for Am Spy Am I going to change my ways? That should be the tag. <laughs> 
Spy kids. You're never too old to be a spy kid. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. What's next? What's next is face off facelift to be delivered by Godzilla versus Kong director Adam Wingard at Paramount. That's right. You heard correctly. Face off is getting a facelift. Um, so there's actually an update to this story because it came out in February. Um, original. Oh, geez. Originally. Uh, claiming to be a reboot and then apparently a uh, a social media post was made clarifying that he's actually going to make a sequel with recast leads um but let's be honest it's gonna be a remake <laughs> like the story will be different but that's essentially just a reboot of like if you're recasting the leads you're not making a sequel yeah i'm trying to think of an example of like a sequel that had a completely different cast involved um i mean everyone is so hot for this right now right like we did this way back did we do this last year or two years ago i think two years ago um everyone is so hot for this movie it's crazy it's such a dumb idea that like i think because of who they cast rocketed to basically just put it in the upper echelon of like action thrillers i guess i have got to go i've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck (laughs) did i say that sorry i didn't make love to god i missed that face whoever they get to be in this movie is going to be Filling some pretty big shoes. I mean, Travolta and Cage are, I mean, at the time, it's gonna be hard. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you're right. This movie is not good, but it is a cult classic because of how insane it is. So, of course, it's, it's ripe for doing something, but it does also scream, this isn't going to work in a diff like it's you can't recreate the the madness i think it's just the premise is just like look anytime you're gonna ask a look a list actors to play each other it's 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 gonna be weird usually kind of funny but like i don't know do you go in this way where you're gonna get actors like travolta and cage who are gonna just kind of chew up the scenery or are you going to i mean did you get did you watch kong versus gorilla gorilla versus kong godzilla versus kong <laughs> Gorilla versus Lizard. Um, I I did watch Godzilla versus Kong. It's actually interesting because in the article there's a link to a a new story where it says Godzilla versus Kong director to helm Thundercats movie for Warner Brothers. I think we're in. I I saw it. Um, I I think it. I thought it was good. I enjoy I enjoy nonsense like that in the way that like. If you're going to make a movie about two insane entities that have some sort of like ancient rivalry, just absolutely go for it. Um, But I think it's been well received. And so Adam Wingard kind of has a uh, has can do whatever he wants, especially I think for Warner Brothers, like he is now trusted by them because it is doing so well for them. So we might see a lot of crazy things coming out of that and and 
Maybe, maybe it works. Maybe. I hope so. <clears throat> it's just, it's like, I think what the problem is, is that you're going to, you're going to call this a sequel. Nick Cage isn't going to be in it. Travolta's not going to be in it. And everyone's just going to be bummed out that it's sort of going to be a like worse copy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I hope he has a really fun take on it because um, I think people, I think people are just going to be upset. That's my take, but my brain doesn't yeah. work. So what do I know? I, I came what? back last week and my brain's bad. <laughs> I literally called this movie Kong versus gorilla. So, <laughs> Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for all the news that's fit to print mm-hmm. for the last couple of months. Um, all right. Should we get into Romeo plus Juliet? Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. This is our reboot of Romeo and Juliet. Mercutio, thou art consortist with Romeo? Consort? What, does thou make us minstrels? And thou make minstrels of us, but they are nothing but discords! Here's my fiddlestick! Here's a commission! Soon! Consort! Either withdraw to some private place, or reason coldly of your grievances, or else depart here all eyes gaze on us! Men's eyes were made to look and let them gaze! I will not budge for no man's pleasure, I. Peace be with you, sir. Here comes my man. Did you see this back in the day when it first came out? No, this was my first time. And I, I, I recently have experienced some of the classic Baz Luhrmann, um, which I feel like you can't say with an American accent. <laughs> you sound like a crazy person. <laughs> it makes more sense to be like Baz. Baz Luhrmann. Um, <laughs> so I, I like... Last year, I watched Moulin Rouge for the first time, and I was like, I think I'm going to love this. Like, people love this. I love, like, a jukebox musical. This is going to be great. And I could not believe that people hold that movie in such high esteem. And so I kind of felt the same way about this, where I was like, I don't think I understand. Um, I just don't think I get it. He's not See, for I me. think his work. <laughs> I, think his, I think his work has, in the past years, kind of exploded into like gaudy, almost camp mm-hmm. territory. I think Romeo plus Juliet, which is how I am officially calling it, um, feels a little bit more of the like MTV music video kind of era so i i i watched this and i was kind of like you know what this is kind of cool it really felt like mtv movies made this um (laughs) i hope they didn't make this because then i would sound like an idiot but um you know what i mean like just the aesthetic i think was just so early 90 i guess this was was this 96 yeah i mean mtv was sort of still i mean these were like the tlr days tlr (laughs) trl thank you especially considering the cast like there are so many moments where you're like oh this is supposed to be kind of a a high artistic camp like you said and it stars the star of like my so-called life and then jesse bradford is in it teen heartthrob like Jamie kennedy like all of these things where you're like yeah it it does kind of scream (laughs) mtv movie in that way but 
it, it's not. It's supposed to be prestige. It, it's supposed to be prestige presented to teenagers. It's mm. supposed to be presented to the people that that like the generation that this story is about. So I was, uh, it was basically aimed at me, who was I think I was like ten when this movie came out, um, and this is like pre Titanic Leo, whose just star was like nearing supernova. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't walk down a locker in my middle school that didn't have a picture of DiCaprio's face in it. <laughs> Um, Romeo and Juliet is directed by, uh, how do you, how, how should I pronounce this? Baz, Baz Lemon, uh, <laughs> director of such movies as The Great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge, and Australia. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio as Romeo Montague, Claire Danes as Juliet Capulet, John Leguizamo, John Leguizamo as Tybalt, Prince of Cats. Love that name. Harold Perrineau as Mercutio and Pete Postlewaite, the late great Pete Postlewaite as Father Lawrence. You know, as as ridiculous as this movie kind of is, I think it I think it works. I think it's it's a really big swing on a modern retelling of of a story that kind of I mean, everyone kind of knows, right? Like I, mm-hmm. the excitement and buzz around this movie, from what I remember, was. I mean, it was big. This was like a big movie. So I, I'm glad it held up, at least for me. There are some things in there that I was just like, you know, it's classic Baz Luhrmann now to, for everyone to kind of be acting with their whole body. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally, I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was funny. I thought it was dramatic. I thought it was striking. I kind of like what they did. There's choices. There's lots of choices. Like, everybody wants to, like, take Shakespeare and make it cool. And there was no greater time than the 90s. Ten things I hate about you, we live. But you're right in that there's so many points where I was like, what is happening? And yet, I don't dislike what was happening. But it is insane. And that's that's the really... It really is, yeah. There's a, like a weird cognitive dissonance between being like, I don't understand this, but I, I get it. You're right. It's like everything is in service to make this... What do you think it would be today? What do you think 2020's Romeo and Juliet would be? It's 2021. And... That's true. <laughs> That's a really good question. Like, if you wanted to do cool Romeo and Juliet for today's teens, I think, and this is super annoying to say, but what's interesting is that the 90s are now. Like, so much of our culture and our fashion are late 90s and early 2000s that I almost feel like it would be a little bit similar. But that's a good point. Maybe like you more... could keep the costumes exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can see them being like, well, this is the side of the family where everybody wears, um, uh, like, <laughs> highly decorative, like, boots and gun belts. And it's very, like, bandito, if, if that's something that I could say. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I'll like, allow it. Like, on the other side, it's like 
Well, yeah, these are like the bros and they wear um, colorful, they they color their hair and they wear colorful uh, Hawaiian shirts and it's really cool. Like I can see, I could see like the stars of TikTok doing this. Like, yeah, this is, this is cool. This is, this is what we're doing. So weirdly, I think it would be a little bit similar. Thus from my lips by thine, my sin is purged. And have my lips is in that they have took? Sin from my lips? O oh, trespass sweetly urged, give me my sin again. You kiss by the book. I think the tone of the movie would be way different, but I feel like mm-hmm. the aesthetic, because it's all secular now, that would probably, like, you would see Romeo wearing an opened Hawaiian print <laughs> shirt, you know what I mean? Like, it, yes. it all feels like it would... It would be recycled a bit, but I just feel like it wouldn't be as like loud and I think the tone would be different. It would be mm-hmm. maybe not little women different, but yeah, it would be a little different. Um, shall we get to Romeo? Yeah. Let's played by do Leo it. DiCaprio. <laughs> um, one of my favorite facts of trivia on this was that, so this is pre-Titanic mm-hmm. and according to IMDb, on like the last day of shooting Leo and Paul Rudd, who plays Paris, um, were going to a bar to like celebrate rap. And Leo was like, oh, they want me to do this movie called Titanic. I don't know. And I guess Paul Rudd's dad like knew a lot about Titanic. And so Paul <laughs> Rudd was like, oh, I know everything about the Titanic. You should totally do that. Um, which I thought was great. Um <laughs> Who wants to go first? So he can thank Paul Rudd for the best career move he could have ever made. Paul Rudd is basically an immortal who is sent from like (laughs) heaven to kind of tip the scales of history (laughs) one way or another. Um okay, who wants to go first? Um I guess I'll go first. Okay. It's hard to find young actors. I'll just preface that. I, I think that there are a lot of them out there. And I feel like had this movie been made five years ago, it might have been a little easier. I was re- I was really trying to find teenagers. I was trying mm-hmm. to find like 16-year-olds to play 16-year-olds. Um, and so then when I that failed, I was like, okay, well, who would just be an interesting choice? It's really hard to recast teenage leo like i don't think we have the same uh maybe that's not true because there's an actor out there who i won't name because i i don't want to spoil it in case you've picked him okay that could probably have been a leo type but um i end up going with jaden martell who Mm -hmm. was one of the many stars of it um and what else has he been in recently as i google him again knives out uh, defending Jacob, Knives Out. Yes, Knives Out. Um, I don't know. I just thought that he seems to have a, a very, like... It, it's weird. I picked people who seemed like they could have, like... I mean, not classically... I don't know what the, that means, like, classic theater looks. But, like, I don't know. He looked like... He looks still like a young romantic lead in my eyes like someone who isn't quite a man yet you know which i thought was mm-hmm. important like how old is he i think he's 18 or 19 but it's like 
he still has features of a young person, which I thought was like really important. And I think, you know, I think he'd be, I think it'd be really good in it. I don't know how well people do or don't do with Shakespeare. So that's, that was also really hard to gauge, but it was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to put this guy on my, on my whiteboard and say like, okay, let's envision him, you know, in this role a little bit. So that's who I picked. I think that's good because you're right in that like the list of people I made is full of this sort of like softness, like not like hard, typically masculine features, swoopy hair, like, cause there's something about, um, there's something about that that I think suits what Romeo is. I also think that there's something that Baz Luhrmann was trying to achieve, which was kind of an androgyny, especially with the men of like mixing um, the way that like some of them colored their hair or some of them dressed like very over the top. Like I think he wanted to try to mix in like, it's not just like West Side Story, like gangs. They're like, I don't know. I think there is something he wanted to bring to that that maybe at the time wouldn't have come across as marketable, but that he was trying to achieve. And I think it's just sort of a softness about the men while also making them very aggressive because that's what Shakespeare did. That's as much as to say such a case as yours constrains a man to bow in the hand. Oh, I agree. He was definitely on that list of people that I was like, who has the sort of like Timothy Chalamet softness of like, oh, you could be because that's the thing. Leo looks like he could be 25 or 13. Like at this point. Who knows? He could be a child. He could be a full-grown adult. Yeah. <laughs> I did not care specifically about the age because I was like, I think something I was concerned about the whole time was like, how old was Claire Danes actually when they were shooting all of this? Because <laughs> I was like, Juliet is like, what, 13, 14 years old? Um, and sh uh, Claire Danes was very young. And so I'm like, even with like parents present on set, can you be doing all of the things you're doing? I mean, it's a logistical question and I don't think it matters now, but Claire blink twice if you need help. But um, I think I'm just, I think I'm just okay with them being adults playing younger because it is that it is almost impossible. I think to achieve this, if you want like a star powered, punch it's hard to achieve that by getting sort of the like fresh-faced unknowns um so anyway i picked harry styles as my romeo because that's that yeah him and chalamet i kind of you're just like how do you not pick these two and i was like i don't know i styles is like it's interesting because he's definitely older like he's he's mm -hmm. dating a 40 year old woman <laughs> so i'm like yeah i mean he's definitely i'm interested to see who your juliet is He's definitely emotionally mature as well, which in his real life comes off as like, okay, yeah, you're dating a much older woman because that's who you are. Um, but he just, he gives off that sort of like dreamy quality that I think is important to to Romeo. I agree with that. So with that, you've convinced me. I, I do feel that like he will get asses in the seats, which for Shakespeare, you know, Shakespeare's kind of a hard sell to the younger generation, so 
Let's get that's good. That's good forward thinking on your part to make sure that we get the teens back mm-hmm. to the theaters. Should we move on to Juliet, played by Claire Danes, who was seventeen when she took this role? Um, beat out several other actresses of the day, like Jennifer Love Hewitt, um, Michelle Geller, Natalie Portman. Famously auditioned for this, and it would like Claire Danes is a celebrity, but like it, I think this movie would have been insane if it was like Leo and Natalie because mm-hmm. like of how big of a star they are now stars um but apparently like natalie just looked too young like like in the test footage they were just like it looks like he's like molesting a child and we we don't want that even though she was you know the same age as claire danes or you know only three years younger than leo um anyways that's a fun fact (laughs) which leo is like a pretty tall guy right like he doesn't seem like it but he's like six one yeah i didn't know that i thought he would have just been like average movie star height but it five is eight it, is that average movie star height or is tom cruise dragging that number down <laughs> well like schwarzenegger's six foot flat mm-hmm. so i don't know so what, what you're saying is, what did i watch oh true lies <laughs> spoiler alert it's funny to imagine Leo like coming up to Schwarzenegger at an award show and being like, you know, just like looming over him. Yeah. yeah. Hey, bud, you may be muscular, but I am very tall. I think it's your turn. Okay. Um. So for my Juliet, I of course again had like a list of of young women that I think are all great actresses. Uh, I think for me though. I I wanted to pick someone who wasn't super waifish. Um, that's very typical. And I, I don't know. It, it kept coming down to like, you have to put the picture of Romeo and Juliet together to be like, does this work? Do I believe them? And do I want this to succeed? They'll be gone. It is not yet near day. <sighs> I must be gone and live or stay and die. Yon light is not daylight. I know it, I. It is some meteor that the sun exhales, light thee on thy way to Mantua. For stay yet, thou needest not be gone. And so there was just something about some of these, like, very sort of, like, I'm sure they're fine, but they seem, like, malnourished and, like, <laughs> you know, they're just, like, young actresses sometimes where i'm like i i don't i don't know i think i would rather just see someone who feels more real um do this and so uh-huh. i picked katherine langford oh yeah of 13 reasons why she's great what was she just in um knives out katherine langford <laughs> <laughs> right that's exactly what it was that's exactly what i was thinking of i was like what did i see her in spontaneous never saw it love simon Loved it. I mean, that's a lo- that's a that's that's a handsome couple. Yeah. I gotta say, that's I think you nailed it on that. And there's something like old fashioned, if I could say that, about the way they look. In that, like, if you wanted to make this a Romeo and Juliet like weird mixture of modern period piece or whatever, like, I don't know. I think they would fit into any time. Yeah, I <clears throat> I definitely agree. I went with a wayfish. Actress, no. <laughs> I I picked Mackenzie Foy, uh, 
who I watched very briefly in the Nutcracker, but she has this like I mean, it's not like Juliet has to be like Helen of Troy, but I just feel like your two leads have to be kind of like dashing in this way where like you realize that they're teenagers, right? Like, are do they really love each other or are they just like infatuated mm-hmm. with each other? Um, plus, here's the plus. She has already navigated the Romeo and, Romeo and Juliet of our time, the Twilight Saga. Oh, very true. So that's why I went with. I just thought, I don't know. It just felt like, um, let's see, she's an English actor if I'm not. Oh, she's American. Oh, great. I picked two Americans to be in Shakespeare. <laughs> great with job, their, Brian. With their original accents? Let's just do it. I mean, here's the thing. She, in Twilight, uh, is not actually involved in the romance story. She is the... <laughs> She's the vampire offspring of Edward and Bella, who literally eats her way out of her mother's womb. But uh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I picked I picked the baby from Twilight to be Juliet, <laughs> who's now a twenty-year-old woman. So it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Maybe let's move on to Tybalt, Prince of Cats, played by John Leguizamo. Man, he was my favorite part, like by far. You know why? Because he took it very seriously. But not like I don't know. I just felt like at times like Leo and Claire were just like really like overacting a bit. Mm. Um, I just thought he he gave like he made a great villain. Anytime he's on screen, you just were like, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna murder everyone here. Like it it, it just like you felt. The strife between these two families threw him most of all. What are thou drawn among these heartless hinds? Turn thee, Benvolio, and look upon thy death. I do but keep the peace. Put up thy sword. Or manage it to part these men with me. Peace? Peace? I hate the word. I think maybe I just love John Leguizamo, so I was, I was just excited to see him in his crazy tank top and Zorro goatee and gun belts. You know, does he lick his gun at one point? I think so. <laughs> I don't know Very why, well. but that sounds correct. <laughs> I think maybe that's what I was talking about when I was talking about the androgyny of it. Is that it is sort of like a Spanish bullfighter thing of like. There is like a certain like sex appeal to it all, but also he's like a little insane. Mm-hmm. And we love him because he commits. Right. He commits to this insanity and is not I, I could and I could say the same thing for Harold Perrineau. Like Tibble and Mercutio, I think, make the movie because they're they're really going for it. Um all right. I if you're waiting for some real big names to drop from old Bry Guy. You can just keep on waiting because <laughs> I picked. I picked. I'll say an up and coming. I don't think anyone really knows who this guy is. His name is Damson Idris. I don't think any relation to. Uh, I mean, it's not Idris Elba's not as Idris isn't Idris Elba's last name. This is definitely no relation. But he's the lead actor in Snowfall. Which I watched uh, a few episodes of. This guy is phenomenal. If you haven't seen Snowfall, I f- I feel like you should watch just for him. He's he's 
I don't know. Oh, he was in a he was in a Black Mirror, but I don't know which one. Um, yeah, I I don't I feel like his face looks so familiar to me, but I don't think I've seen him like distinctly in anything. Um, so yeah, let's let's give an up and comer a chance. Thanks. Um, um, not much to say because no one knows who this guy is. <laughs> so who did you pick? Um, speaking of up and comers, I don't know if anybody knows who this is, but um, I picked for my Tybalt Forest Goodluck, um, who you might have seen. Um, he was actually Leo DiCaprio's son in The Revenant. Um, he was also in The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Um, I recently saw him in Cherry, the movie based on what I guess is a very popular book, but that I did not enjoy really at all. Um, sorry to, sorry to the Cherry, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just thought he was a very interesting, a very interesting young actor, uh, that I would like to see do like, if it's this version of Tibble, like do something kind of like flamboyant and different. Um, but yeah, I thought he was great. I like how we both picked pretty unknowns for this role. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's such a good role that you kind of want to give it to someone and just be like, do whatever you want. Like, let's see what we got, you know, like shoot, shoot for the moon here. All right. Let's move on to Mercutio. Mercutio, played by Harold Perrineau, who once, not to brag, but once, I guess was like friends with one of my improv teachers and just like huh. showed up at the end of one of our classes once. And our teacher was like, oh, this is our buddy, my, my, our friend Harold. And we were like, yeah, we know. We've seen Lost. Like, what is he doing here? <laughs> I guess he was just like, he just came to like watch improv for a little bit. Huh. It was never really explained, but that's a memory I'll always have. <laughs> um, who did you pick? Um, I picked for my Mercutio, Anthony Ramos, star of Hamilton. And mm. um, so, so many. Wait a second. What? Oh, yeah. He's definitely had little roles in so many things. Um, but he's taking off a little more now. He was in um, Godzilla King of Monsters, Trolls World Tour, uh, the Gotta Have It series, A Star is Born, Will and Grace. We go on and on. But now he's about to be in like a Transformers and In the Heights is going to be crazy. Um, I Yeah, I just think he's one of those people that like if you, if you want – to see someone do something interesting, which I definitely did. Uh, I like that pick. I like that a lot. Sort of like Leo's best friend slash drug dealer slash like enabler. Mm-hmm. I kind of I really like that. I, it was interesting to me about this movie is like if it's to be remade today, like how would you handle like the cross dressing? It, it, it's like because the like Mercutio. I'm not asking, like, do you think that this is, like, a good idea now? I'm just wondering, like, there was sort of a statement back then Mm -hmm. for Mercutio to do this kind of behavior. 
I'm wondering like if that statement still stands today or if it's just sort of feels sort of like of a bygone era of like before anyone knew what like LGBTQ like matters were like because is this is like mid 90s this is like the age of like don't ask don't tell like this is sort mm-hmm. of like an archaic time of like queer rights and queer representation I'm just like curious like how would you or how would anyone like play this kind of because I liked I, I think it's interesting like he basically dresses up as like an angel or like a fairy and like they all drop E and he's just like leading them through this like kaleidoscope of drug use basically then I see Queen Mab has been with you she is the fairy's midwife and she comes in shape no bigger than an agate stone on the forefinger of an alderman drawn with a team of little atomies over men's noses as they lie asleep her chariot is an empty hazelnut her wagoner a small gray coated gnat and in this state she gallops <laughs> night by night through lovers brains and then they dream of love i do think it's a good question because in the mid 90s i feel like so many times when people were trying to make a statement it came off very obtuse especially just in wildly popular media um but i think this works i think what's in- an interesting thing you point out is that something they don't it, like it's alluded to just in the way that they're insulting each other that there's something about them being gay that would be bad and that's like in the text of the play but i i kind of like the idea of like well, yeah, he's clearly queer in some way, and they don't put a name on it because that's not really in Shakespeare's like original verse. But I kind of like the idea that that's something that he owns um, and isn't necessarily like a bad thing. It's a part of his identity that like maybe he does drag or maybe he um, does not identify uh, as strictly... Um, strictly like gender conforming like maybe there is something very sort of loose about that that could be very fun because the character is so big um that could just be more defined because today i think we are we have more language to be able to understand what they're trying to say um and that it's not just like oh well like i don't know maybe he's like a a little bit like a little bit feminine and when they when they disguise themselves to get into the party he dresses as a woman and maybe we're sort of saying something but we don't want to go crazy with it like i think today it would just be more like let's say something let's make it a thing let's make it a part of his right. identity and not hide it yeah i also think like today things are just so fluid that like it i don't even think you would like bat an eye at it you know yeah. you just be like this is a cool party everyone's dressed like to the nines here like this is this is what rich people do all the time they just throw like the most extravagant crazy debaucherous parties like i don't even think you would even recognize it let alone Mm -hmm. but i don't know maybe maybe saying something like even more would be a way to go Hmm. anyways i picked timothy chalamet (laughs) he had to be here somewhere 
He had to be. He had to be in this movie somewhere. And I was just like, I don't want to watch him as Romeo. Like, it's, I would be so bored. But Mercutio, like, kind of this, like, you know, instigator throughout the story. And then the one who ultimately is, like, murdered because of Romeo's deeds. Like, I think, I think he could play this really well. Again, another American actor. Oopsie doopsie. It is really interesting. There is something very like Shakespeare about like the lead is not the most interesting character or like, so like, it's like the star, the movie star you would have be in the movie is not necessarily the main character. Cause it's more interesting for him to play Mercutio. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Like it offers someone a chance to actually do something that isn't like expected. Cause Romeo and Juliet, I'll say it are kind of weak. Like, there's just something about like this <laughs> them as part of the story that's like okay we get it you're making a really you're making really bad choices over and over and over and we know it's gonna happen. Dateless bargain, to engrossing death. Look, we all have friends that like meet somebody and then suddenly they like completely change who they are and are just like so over the top about their relationship. We all have these fucking people in our lives and they drive us nuts. So, yeah, they're not the most interesting because no one cares. Like, honestly, do you think Romeo and Juliet? I mean, I know they're written to be destined lovers, but honestly, I'm like, they're. 15 16 like i think they just want to fuck and like the only way they can do that is to get married like i don't even think they'll like each other within six months like it's just really funny that like you know when you're a teenager yeah like this stuff is the end of the world which is why this story has lasted forever but Mm -hmm. like I don't know. I don't care about Romeo. I don't care about Juliet. I'm honestly just like, let's let's watch Tybalt and Mercutio fucking fight on the beach for like two hours in like John Wick style with these weird guns. <laughs> um, anyways, that's my two cents. I think that's good, though. Like, you, you're right in that thinking like we put a certain romance on this because we all read this in high school as part of our curriculum. And it gives you that feeling of like, oh my gosh, well, of course, like if I met a guy at a party and he was interested and he was cute and I was just like, we're meant to be together. So like at the time, of course they were like, let's get (laughs) married. Like this, there's something about it that makes so much sense in your dumb kid brain. And looking back on it, you're like, no, you're a, you're a literal teenager and Hundo P, you think this is the most important thing that's ever happened to you, but truly it was one party and he's just cute. Like, don't be that person who keeps <laughs> rolling up on your friends being like, oh my gosh. And then Juliet was like, uh, maybe we should get married or like, maybe we should hang out. And you're just like, no, shut up. Like, now I have to fight <laughs> someone because of this? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's all just like, look, if you just wait like two weeks, this will all pass. Like, this is all over. Especially. And I feel like they even say it. And she's like, no. Especially because that we often forget the beginning of the play is 
uh, Romeo is in love with another woman. And the whole reason he wants to go to this or his friends are trying to drag him out to this party is because they're like, you'll get over it in an instant. Like, it's fine. Come party with us and you'll meet somebody new. Like, get over her. And that's what happens. <laughs> and he does because yeah. he's 16. Yeah. And I'm assuming Verona's a pretty big place, but like maybe it's just this thing where there's like there's only like seven kids. You know what I mean? Like there's only so many options that these two people have. I don't know. I don't know. Um uh, let's move on to Father Lawrence, played by Pete Postlewaith. Um what an amazing actor this guy was. And mm-hmm. who um what did he, what was his last thing? The town? Was, mm. was that the last thing he was in? I don't know. He's He's been in hundreds of things. He's great in all of them. Here's the thing. Kind of a shitty planner. Like, he really... His plan was really dumb. Uh This is a dumb plan. So, I don't know why Romeo's going to this guy for advice. Like, pretend to be dead. Pretend to be dead and don't tell... Don't tell Romeo about it. Like, this is... This is bad planning on an adult. This is an adult character. And I really tried to cast someone that was younger so that it would, like, kind of make sense why it's so stupid. But, like, I, I couldn't find anyone. And I realized that, like, I just was like, look, just cast a really good actor to play this role because the, I think that's really the most important part. Um, but just in general, just a dumb plan. Don't, like, <laughs> really dumb plan. Um, I ended up casting fellow Irish actor Killian Murphy. Hmm. I think that's really good. Mm, thank you. That is interesting. I I I agree. I think cuz something I thought about was I was like you're right. There is something in there's something in the character that's like did you intentionally lead them astray because why is this the best option for what's about to happen? Like why is this the best plan for this? And so I kind of like the idea to of stop the, a wedding. It's like right, like it's it just feels like we could have brainstormed a little more. And so ultimately, the fact that it's kind of his fault that he he really led two young kids to death. Like there's something interesting about that character being a little darker, a little more irresponsible, um, and maybe like younger in the way that it's like you. I don't know. You you wish this could have been you at some point in your life, but you're like a celibate priest. And so you're just like going along with the whims of children. Like, I, I think that's interesting. I do spy a kind of hope which craves as desperate an execution as that is desperate, which we would prevent. If rather than to marry with this Paris, thou hast the strength of will to slay thyself, then it is likely thou wilt undertake a thing like death. To chide away the shame. He should be in jail. Yeah. <laughs> That's this that. Guy's a, this guy's insane. <laughs> That's that, yeah. Who'd you pick? Um, I picked Jude Law. I never miss a chance to cast nice. Jude Law. No. no. Um, I don't have anything to say about that. We've been on record numerous times talking about Jude Law. I think what's really... Like, what's great about Jude Law again? Um, which I've said this a thousand times, so I guess I am going back to talk about it. But like, I love the idea of putting him in Romeo and Juliet, where it's like there probably was a time where he could have been Romeo, and now he's 
Father Lawrence. Like he's in that character role mode, which I love. Mm-hmm. Again, though, Father Lawrence seems really dumb in retrospect, but I think you just want the best actor or actress to be in that part. So that like every time it's like Pete Postlewaite, every time he's on screen, you're just like, this guy is crushing this role. Like mm-hmm. he's so good. Um, yeah. He's living in it, which is really interesting. Like the even like there was a moment where I was like, this is like this is what he should be like in every adaptation. Like wearing shorts, smoking a cigarette, like very, 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 very vibey. Like there is just something that works about being like you went and maybe it's because he's like the priest in town or whatever but like there's something about going to this guy that it's like well who's the priest that's gonna like get you out of trouble but it might be a little shady and that's that's right. him um is that everyone that's all that's all we have right yeah those five that's it that's it we did it i guess we'll move on to our you know our favorite actor who's joining us once again on year four four years you mean barry guys where does Barry Pepper go? Did we pick the same? I feel like there's like three people he could be. Um, We might have picked the same. I cast him as Captain Prince. Yep. Me too. He's a cop. <laughs> he is the cop. Is there a cop? Oh, great. Barry, we got a role for you. Come on down. But I, um, I like this as like an adjustment on the play of like there's not like royalty in this world of making the prince like i I like that i think it's i think it's a really like fun choice this movie is all about choices this movie is so stylized that i'm just like would you stylize like how i'm seeing like an a24 type vibe to romeo and juliet and i'm like i don't know if that's i don't know if that's gonna land with the same cultural impact that Baz Luhrmann's, you know, crazy, crazy vision for this movie did in the 90s. You said it earlier. I think it would be fascinating to have someone like Greta Gerwig do this and have it be like all in black and white or something crazy like that. And it's all about like the characters. I I just I feel like she would have an interesting take on the fact that they are literal children. (laughs) Could you imagine like Taika Waititi directing this or something like that? <laughs> who, I mean, uh, it's hard to describe Laz Berman in, in this way because he's like kind of like Michael Bay in a lot of ways. Like it's it's <laughs> always a lot of like style and not a lot of substance. You just called him Laz Berman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same thing. But here's the thing: in Australia. Names are flipped yeah. the other way. So right, 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 right. That's, that's correct. I, I think that's the problem. You can't pronounce it in an American accent. That's where you get tripped up. Right. Um, would you remake this movie? I think you could remake stuff like this over and over. Like there's a certain, cl- there's a certain class of classics that it's like, I'm probably never going to get t- Like, I'm never going to be like, oh, why do we need another Romeo and Juliet? I'm just going to be like, sure. Every generation deserves a classic story told in their way. It's Shakespeare. Yeah, I feel like um, if this was remade today, it would be like a Netflix eight or Hulu, like eight part mini series. You know what I mean? Like, mm, Yeah. It wouldn't be a movie. It would be like a streaming television show. I guess so. Like, I guess you're right. You know, they keep trying to make like Macbeth a thousand times and I haven't watched one of them. Mm-hmm. So 
Why not? <laughs> let's make them all. Let's make this. Let's make the Shakespeare shared cinematic universe. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Hmm? A little Tempest action. Let's see how many other Shakespeare works I can name. A little Much Ado About Nothing remake. A little Midsummer little Night's Dream. Midsummer, Midsummer's Night's Dream. Huh? <laughs> huh? I'm a little Merchant of Venice. Huh? Are you I looking- swear I'm not. I don't have like a Google <laughs> doc. I was just, say, no. Did you Google Shakespeare? No. A little Hamlet. A little Hamlet. A little Henry the Henry the Fifth. Henry the Fourth. Aren't there like seven Henrys like he wrote plays about? Richard the Third. Uh, 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 <laughs> Richard the Third. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe a little. Mm, that's all I can name. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Well, that's it for this week, guys. Thank you for joining us this week on Rebooted. If you like this episode, please check out our past episodes. Please stick around. Maybe we'll be here next week. I think so because I'm no longer out of the state working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, join us next time. We have a great movie for you lined up. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. You can also find us on social media at Rebooted Pod everywhere. Well, just Instagram and Twitter, but isn't that everywhere? This, that's pretty much everywhere. I mean, where, where else are you going? The dark web for podcasts? I don't think so. <laughs> these are the these are the McDonald's and Burger King of podcast websites. Um, yeah. yeah, please tell your friends and family, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Goodbye. Maybe I'm just like my mother. your thumb in a suit? I do buy my thumb, sir! Do you buy your thumb in a suit? Sir.